Hi, everyone. My name is Alex Petronenko. I'm product evangelist with Creatio, and I'm joined today by Nindish Madapati, our solutions manager with Creatio. Hi, Nindish. How are you doing today? Good, Alex, and good morning from Boston. We're really going to be talking about local technologies. We're going to be talking about the components of local technologies. And actually, we're really going to deep dive into uh, different approaches towards using low code and accelerate time to value. Now, at this point, let's uh, really kick it off. Uh, and I'm going to start by talking about some of the components of the low code as we see them, right? We're going to start by really reminding ourselves on the uh, difference between different approaches in development. And of course, traditionally, we all remember that there were two primary uh, approaches towards developing solutions or to deploying solutions, right? One of them was the custom development when we were talking about a fully tailored, you know, from ground up development of a data entry application or de development of any business application uh, that, of course, had its own advantages. It had its own pros and, of course, their own cons, right? So the pros were being highly tailored highly meeting the requirements of the business, highly uh, configured so which those specific needs, that specific business reality. On the con side, of course, we're talking about a very long time to market, right? We're talking about month, maybe more closer to a year of developing that application, very high TCO, very high uh, expense rate on actually having this done, right? Not even talking about other you know, resulting limitations in the end, as in continuous improvement, continuous change to those applications, you know, even higher TCO from there, uh, outdated technologies and so on. The other approach, of course, that we were talking about is the packaged applications where you can take an off-the-shelf product, right? You can easily uh, deploy it. You can have it available in no time. But of course, those packaged applications had their own limitations when it gets to configuration, when it gets to having certain use cases being covered and tailored towards the needs of the customer. Not even mentioning you know, additional TCO and additional technology limitations as well. And where local platform really shines when compared to two traditional approaches is really being somewhere in the middle, right? Having the option to use either pre-built modules, pre-built components, pre-built uh, functionality and apps, also highly configurable, highly customizable, right? Where anything can be really tailored to, towards the need of the business, right? But not just tailored initially, but as well, have additional advantage of having the option to have changes implemented faster than ever, right? Having the ability to actually quickly react towards the changing business environments. Uh, and I believe that we all agree that this year has proven that having, yeah, <laughs> having the option to quickly adjust to a business environment is crucial in survival and uh, business advantage, right? Right. And then, Alex, um, you and I were involved with a large consulting firm, if you recall, uh, where they had a HCM solution for customer onboarding, uh, hiring, and all of that, but they were using a legacy system that was proving completely inflexible uh, as, as the technology was shaping up, and they were relying on Creatio and local platforms to make them more seamless, uh, more easier. So we are seeing that trend over and over and over again. It's, it's, it's amazing that uh, that transition, especially for me, because low-code is a fairly newer topic to me. I'm only was aware of that for the last year, year and a half now. Uh, just to see that uh, the ramp, the rapid ramp is amazing. 
You know, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, you know, changing the ability to, to change, uh, having the ability to change faster is not the only critical advantage of local application, right? But also uh, empowering uh, users with self-serve technology, having them starting a level of configuration and uh, customization over their system, uh, you know, an introduction of a role of a citizen developer who's actually somewhere in between of the business and the technical side of things. Everything is really making the local technology shine, right? And we all remember the statistics from Gartner that by 2025, 65% of all the applications are gonna be built using low-code environment, local tools. But of course, there are additional, you know, advantages of local application. Uh, we would love to talk about all of them, but let's probably move on and let's talk about some of the local components uh, that we see being parts of the local environments, right? Those tools that really are, uh, you know, where the customers choosing and thinking about a local platform should be thinking about and starting to kind of take into account. And of course, we first of all start with uh, process design. We start not even with the executable process design, but we start with process modeling and process outline, right? Because it is out of question that, uh, you know, lar medium, large size enterprise organizations have a lot of different processes, right? Uh, as the pandemic has shown, a lot of these processes across any business are outdated, they are not uh, efficient, right? They are not optimal, right? And uh, are simply broken as well, right? And of course, one of the issues and one of the problems with uh, those uh, processes that are outdated is that once they've been described, right, they were forgotten, they were ever forgotten, no one has ever touched them. Uh, they remain somewhere in the, uh, you know, in a shared folder in an FTP server, but everybody's doing kind of their own thing, right? Everybody's <laughs> having no their own little workarounds. Yeah, yeah, no documentation whatsoever, uh, no ability to kind of, uh, you know, make changes to them. And of course, this creates a lot of stigma around uh, business operations and around operations in general, right? This uh, makes it difficult to onboard the new employees and really just you know, follow what's happening in an organization, right? And of course, whether you are describing your processes in uh, and DMN and CMMN or, you know, in the classic BPMN, uh, we have the tools that can simplify and bridge the gap between process description and process implementation. Again, Nandish, you've heard this uh, statistic a million times, but I'd like to bring it forward again. Uh, out of 100% of the time spent on implementation of a process or a business application, around 30% is spent on the description of that process, right? So this is a huge amount of time, right? If you think about it in quantifiable 100 hours per total design, 30 hours being spent on the description, out, mm -hmm. out, outraging, right? And Absolutely. of course, from there, we can also think about how do you then convert this, right? Not even how you can convert. Now that we're all working from home or most of us are working from home, right? How do you collaborate with your peers? How do you collaborate with the staff? How do you uh, actually approve different structures of the processes, right? And uh, the process design tool that you choose should support this capability. This should be part of the local environment. 100%. But I'm, I'm, we're definitely gonna talk a little bit more about these tools as we move forward, right? But also would like to, carry on to the next topic uh, and talk a little bit more about the approach towards building, you know, applications, right? Where definitely we talk about drag and drop the WYSIWYG style of configuration. For us, of course, it is natural to provide a very uh, highly intuitive, highly 
um, self-spoken tool of section wizard, right, and detail wizard that is allowing us to configure uh, not just the user interface, the visuals, the you know the guided data approach through business rule creation, but also the data structure in general and the data model, right? So to simplify the overall approach towards building the application by having this incredible design experience, right? So it's not always only about the end users and the user experience that are working with the uh, end application and the processes, right? But it is also the design experience that um, is very important, right? And we see more and more organizations uh, paying you know, greater attention to how exactly the citizen developers, right? How exactly the business analysts, system administrators are gonna be supporting that application. Alex, you and I always talk about developer experience and customer experience. They go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. We, I, I'm a true believer that development experience uh, or design experience should be, you know, as important as end user experience because, uh, though, you know, exactly in the same way that higher user experience is increasing the adoption, right, and is increasing the productivity and efficiency of working with an application, same goes to the uh, design of that application, right, and is even probably more important because those citizen developers should be empowered to build their applications faster than ever. But let's carry on, of course, uh, based on how exactly Croatia is built, right, and uh, how I think we've skipped a slide, but that's that's okay. But just wanted to reiterate another thing that we are, of course, you know, uh, a object-centric application, right? We focus the application operations around the business objects, entities, and data. And then, of course, the processes, the uh, framework for automation revolve around them. And then this brings us additional flexibility when we talk about data visualization, when we talk about data uh, display for the end users. But of course, from from the process description, right, from uh, ha then actually having the data uh, defined and the user interface defined, we talk about the frameworks for automation and different approaches to frameworks of automation, right? Where first of all, kind of the usual step, the first step is really to outline the milestone in the process, try to bring some level of structure to highly unstructured processes, to agile processes, or, you know, Sometimes they're called just chaotic processes, <laughs> right? Where we are trying to, uh, where we are using our dynamic case management framework, which is a very different approach, right? It doesn't have a clear definition of steps uh, and the sequence of those steps, right? The transitions between them based on, uh, you know, highly tailored business rules. It is somewhat a framework of actions. It is a high level on de definition of what should be those steps and actions completed. Right. And of course, what is very important in this case is to remember that this for many organization might be or is an initial step into bringing structure to their processes. Right. To outline their understanding of how everything is being managed at this time. Right. Have certain guidance, have certain uh, framework of actions delivered to the end users. And of course, you know, uh, we do say that there is some base conditional transition between the steps, between the stages of the DCM that can be incorporated. But of, of course, they don't compare it to the full DPM solution, right? And of course, once the organization has these DCMs implemented, once we actually start understanding how exactly they are configured, how exactly users are operating within those, using different types of actions, at all times, we can either rearrange the steps, we can rearrange the stages, or even replace a number of steps or a step with a better defined 
business process, right? Now that we are and understand that within one specific step, this is actually a more a highly regulated uh, set of actions, right? This is now actually should be performed on a different framework. And this is where, oh yeah, Anandish, you want to say something? Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point, right? Because uh, depending upon the experience level of the, of the end user, it could be an experienced salesperson or a completely inexperienced salesperson. You're giving them a guideline and let them decide, figure out what's the right process for them. And I think this is that's basically the fundamental uh, issue that unstructured business process solves. We still give them a guideline, let them get some liberty. And there's also one-off situations where, oh, well, it, this doesn't fit into that uh, particular process um, because when i when people think of process they're always thinking about steps in a sequential manner and that is not necessarily the truth yeah yeah i totally agree i totally uh, uh agree to that statement right but let's let's carry on uh let's now talk about the bpm engine on its own right and of course this is one of our crown jewels of our application this is the backbone this is the muscle behind the data this is really what's driving user automation this is what is driving system automation as well right where the focus of creation is of course in extending on a constant basis number of elements and collection of elements that could be used within design whether those are going to be user engaging right and actually are going to incorporate user into the uh, process execution whether those are going to be full of system actions and those that are running behind the scenes, those that are not going to be involving the user. And, uh, you know, the design of uh, those uh, processes can be very different, right? Uh, we can build, you know, fully user-based uh, processes that are only going to be operating within uh, user execution. This can be full of system actions, you know, system processes that just maintain the data, you know, run system integration and data update and manipulation. And of course, this could be a combination of the two, right? So involve the user only at the critical steps and then mm -hmm. have the system uh, run most of those actions behind the scenes for the user. And of course, we can uh, carry on to the next uh, item, right? To the next element or a component of a local application, which is data visualization. Uh, because of course, we all understand that if the data can be measured, uh, measured, it can be managed, right? Uh, our approach and our understanding of the configuration of the data visualization should be as well part of the local environment, right? The uh, application of uh, the local application should provide simple access to the data through reporting, through building analytics, charts, matrix, pivot tables, and anything else that uh, is within, you know, uh, most common you know framework of usage i would say by different users because those are the use cases right the uh, users of a local application should not have any limitation i guess to data uh, anal analysis and reporting in general right and rather than having this constantly being exported to a third-party application again increasing the tco increasing the you know number of applications in maintenance we can talk about this being part of the platform on its own uh, and last but not least, more of a high-level component, of course, there are many more components to a local platform, right, is the mobile. Definitely mobiles, uh, mobile devices and portable devices have entered our lives, uh, you know, very deeply. Uh, no one really now imagines their life without a mobile phone on them 24-7. Uh, and, you know, it is natural that the same thing it has carried over to business applications, to business environments in general, right? And, of course, a local platform should as well have this extended 
touch and feel towards you know seamlessly continuation of their daily activities from the desktop applications to mobile uh, devices uh, where of course the configuration should be as simple as point and click drag and drop and really rearranging and building these applications if not from scratch then please from reusing of some of the existing modules but I feel like I've been uh, talking a little bit too much here on the components and uh, Nandisha, at this point, I'd like to pass the floor to you uh, to really talk us through some of the steps that uh, we identify ourselves when we're building some uh, business applications, uh, right? When we uh, talk to our <coughs> prospects and how do they usually approach uh, the step of the steps in, uh, you know, utilizing low code uh, environments. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. So um, basically, uh, we take advantage of marketplace. So the expression goes reinventing the wheel, right? So why reinvent a wheel when there's already out there? So marketplace, I believe, is the first thing that I look for to see if there's any existing solution that our citizen developers have already built that I can take advantage of. Now, to build credibility for marketplace, it's not something that Nandish can create an application and just put it in the marketplace for everyone to use. Obviously there's consequences and liability that comes with that. So there is obviously a certification program uh, that's part of it. So uh, over 100, 130 uh, citizen developers of CREATIO certified, uh, certified citizen developers, over 600 plus solutions that's out there that is constantly getting certified uh, every uh, as, as frequently as possible so that Whoever downloads that application is, um, is, uh, is uh, you know, comforted by the feeling that there is creatious backing, backing that application. Now, there are many aspects to this. The reason over here is um, this is also a revenue stream for many of our partners. So this can also be a paid um, uh, application. This could be a free applications, whatever that may be. So from monetization's perspective as well, we encourage our partners to come in develop some custom applications that, that nobody has built on applications in the past, uh, and then potentially use this as a revenue stream as well. And this comes with full support uh, and verification as, as part of it, uh, and there is continuous improvement as, as, uh, as part of Marketplace as well. Now, when you start diving a little bit deeper, you'll see that the Marketplace applications divides itself into four different areas, from a vertical solutions or a connectors to a third-party applications or can add on to an existing creation platform to, to take it to the next level, or as business processes, Alex has been talking about templates that will uh, solve a particular area that could be an employee onboarding, that could be a customer onboarding, that could be um, <clears throat> uh, recruitment or vacation requests, whatever that may be. There is a solutions for that. As, as the saying goes from, from uh, back when iPhones was introduced, there's an app for that. So I would probably kind of steal that from, from Apple. Uh, hopefully there's no trademark on that, but, um, uh, uh, but, but there is a solution for it. Alex, is there anything you want to add? No, I totally agree. And I remember, you know, when we first uh, introduced the marketplace, uh, it was very incredible to see how the number of these solutions were growing uh, year over year. Right, how new applications, how new add-ons were introduced, and how exciting they became. Right, and it's not even just that the marketplace is being, you know, powered by our partners and uh, by our teams, but also just enthusiasts, right, that really believe in the same vision of accelerating, believe in the same vision of, if, uh, you know, 
uh, using low-code technology for application design and delivery. So it's really great time to be alive. And of course, it's uh, very exciting to, you know, to, to go in the marketplace daily and, and check out these great apps that are being published. Exactly, exactly. And one, one uh, quick point over there is uh, about, I think, about a couple of months ago, I was talking to a, a prospect and they're like, when do I know, how do I know that this was, uh, this has been certified? And I just simply go there and say it's last updated was like two weeks ago. And I was like, yeah. well, here, I tell you, we are very transparent with that. So that was very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And now moving on, uh, like I said, there are vertical solutions, there are templates and there are add-ons and connectors. Um, so some of the favorite things that I have looked at is from a risk perspective. This is a big one for financial industries. Um, so we have a vertical solutions risk management that you can simply download. And once you download, you have complete control through the tools of business uh, studio or section wizard or detail wizard, whatever those tools may be to modify this to your specific organization needs. So it doesn't mean that this is the only solution. This is the only way to use it. You have complete control over modifying them as well. Um, ditto on a record, a record keeping, document management. We have solutions for that as well. Um, and increasingly, when I speak to the customer service side, they're always talking about customer sentiment, leveraging AI, machine learning to understand how is that, uh, you know, how is that conversation going between the agent and the customer, and then use that as a uh, as a coachable moment for the agents to continue to deliver top-notch customer experience to the end customer. So all of those solutions are available, wide variety of them. Yeah, so, and, and I would like to also kind of bring, bring up and to the attention the idea that what we've kind of walked through, right, uh, is really bringing forward the idea that any kind of application built on top of creation is following our design style, right? It is following our best practice towards building the interface, building the functionality, using the low-code environment, local tools, right? Of course, in certain cases, they are extended by third-party services for, you know, sentiment analysis, right, or maybe some integrations. But overall, we're trying to keep everything in the same way, if you could say so, <laughs> right? And really to kind of have this consistency in the interface and the approach of how the applications are delivered, uh, just so that we again reiterate on you know improving the user adoption, on um, making it seamless uh, as an experience of working with different components of the application, no matter who, what, who was the provider of those. Creation as a vendor, the organization as someone, uh, you know, something that was built internally or brought through a third party, uh, you know, as an add-on. Great point, Alex. Moving on. Um, so, so here we are. Uh, we've gone to the marketplace and either we found the solution that we want and we are good to go, or we did not find the solution for whatever reason. And now the question is, what do we do next? Uh, and the next step, obviously, is to understand uh, if you are trying to build an application, what are those objects that are getting impacted by this? Potentially, if, if there's something that is already native to Creatio, so I'm talking about, say, accounts or contacts, which could be a customer onboarding, employee onboarding, opportunity map, whatever that may be. In such a case, we will then pivot towards native objects. If that object does not exist in Creatio, maybe like risk or, you know, vacations or something like that, you need to create that object, then we'll be looking at custom object, which Alex will talk about later on. For right now, we'll focus on native objects, which means that uh, we only have to worry about business process in this case. So for that, we get into the studio free. And, and Alex talked a lot about how you can bring that visualization. People spend like 30 to 40%, is that right, Alex? Um, yeah. on, on visualization. 
Uh, and when I get uh, business processes or the process workflow, it's usually a Visio file, uh, which means that I simply have to use that and build a new template on top of that, which is very painful for me because now I'm spending that time uh, building that process flow that our customers are looking for. The idea here is that Studio Free is going to create like a Google Drive sort of a uh, environment where you can create business processes, visualize that, uh, whether that be impacting multiple departments through the, uh, through the ability of having swim lanes, understanding that the workflow goes from the recruiter to the manager and back to the recruiter and so on and so forth in this particular situation, but it can be any process. It doesn't have to be HR like the way we are dis describing in here. It could be risk, it could be uh, audits or anything like that that you can create. So once that business process has been built using drag and drop functionality, then just like Google Drive or some other collaboration tools, you can invite members to come in and give their inputs and have them the ability to edit that as well. So this is a great way for breaking down silos and enterprise companies to bring in different people, different ideas and have the best process for you to start working on to build, build the necessary application. So once, once the people come in and they build the application that they're looking for, uh, and this is the best part of building any application, right, Alex, which is to add documentation <laughs> because nobody wants to do that. But here is the ability for you to add details uh, to specific objects and say, what, what are those objects doing so that they're safe for perpetuity. And then once you have that, you will have the ability to export this as a BPMN notation uh, say export that as an image file or simply download the documentation in an HTML format. So once that uh, is, is done, now we'll watch a quick video of how that, that is possible. So in here that from a studio free, we have exported a BPMN file and then we open up the studio enterprise edition inside of Creatio and then either import it or simply drag that uh, BPMN file into the studio window and all of that uh, processes that is uh, been built in has now brought into Studio and now you're going to convert that from a non-executable business process into an executable business process. Alex, you want to add any color to that? No, definitely just, you know, the only thing that I wanted to kind of bring forward here again is that this is really an incredible way of accelerating your the design time of a process, right? So not to have to then go through a Visio and try to recollect what were the exact set of steps, right? And kind of compare, okay, did I miss anything or not? Uh, but really just to have this, you know, seamlessly implemented. And of course, this is just, you know, the first take on uh, this automatic conversion. Uh, there are going to be additional improvements and changes coming, uh, you know, to the studio free application uh, in the nearest time. And it's really exciting, right? And we definitely recommend all of our customers using uh, this tool, you know, in their design processes, let's put it this way. Excellent. All right, moving on. So now that we have uh, a executable business process that is going to do whatever application that we're looking to do, then how do you want to serve that applications and in which format is up to the, uh, for the developer to decide? So there are situations and situations could be different. In this case, we are tying that business process to that specific object, contacts in this case. Uh, we can see that we have created a business process lead from contact and attach it simply to the section. And once you do that, uh, and then you open up the content record, that's how the, the applications can be served to automate many, um, many, many steps in this case. That is one way to serve that. The second is going into the dynamic case management. And Alex has indicated previously that this is primarily used in situations 
uh, where you have a, a business process, but they are all unstructured. Uh, but in a certain areas where you have a, a bunch of sequential steps that must be executed, you can simply call that business process in here uh, as, as part of your dynamic case management so that there, everything will be unstructured. And once you hit that particular business process, everything will be structured and then it goes right back into the unstructured business process. So you have that uh, a mixture of giving flexibility, making sure that people adhere to particular steps and give that flexibility again to your end users to decide how they want to go forward. Anything you want to add here, Alex? No, this is a great, uh, great coverage of the GCM uh, and basically how you know we can use synergy between these uh, two different types of frameworks, uh, you know, under one roof. And where is really the advantage of creation compared to other uh, tools for you know system and user automation? Correct. And of course, as um, Alex described the Crown Jewel, the business process itself, uh, and in this case, you can actually launch that application as part of a signal, maybe when a record changed by a certain, you know, certain fields certain values came in, or by a time basis, whatever that may be, it can be executed on its own independently. So there are multiple ways in which you can serve that uh, business process or applications either connected to an existing object or as a part of the DCM or independently as a business process itself. Um, and then whatever you do, um, the workflow will show up in the task dashboard uh, for, the, for the end users so they know exactly what to do and what the next steps may be. And with that, we will jump over to the custom objects, Alex, back to you. Yeah, thanks, Andy. You mentioned right for the execution. It's all about uh, providing a very consistent uh, experience to the end user, right? It, mm -hmm. They should not really have uh, a difference between how a DCM task is being uh, generated or completed, how a BPM task, right? They need to be driven to their next steps. They need to be guided to their next steps. And really, this is the only thing that they should be worried about, right? So it's all about this consistency, which is, of course, extended, right? And I know you're going to cover about the extension of those uh, a little bit further down the road. But yeah, moving over to the custom objects, to the custom functionality, right? Uh, basically, the idea behind it is to still utilize some of our out-of-the-box tools, right? And tools that we already have in the platform to, again, provide this consistent user and uh, you know design experience working with different uh, different tasks right so whether we're building a custom app for, or a custom uh, you know application from scratch we can always reuse our section wizard right easily enable certain approval processes with just a simple click right and then continue uh, you know using uh, the same tool to bring forward the uh, interface on its own right the same way that you are making changes to the uh, existing uh, section, right? You will build one from scratch, from ground up. And of course, uh, because, you know, and something that I've, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the, the whole design style, the whole experience of the end user is going to be uh, consistent, right? If you maintain this, of course, this is part, per design, uh, uh, per design, per decision of the uh, citizen developer, right? But uh, overall, the approach will be exactly the same, right? And there's going to be a lot of functionality that is going to be added straight away from scratch, uh, you know, by default, such as invitation capability, analytics capability that I'm going to cover a little bit further down the road as well. But it's really all about, you know, skipping steps that should not be repetitive if they should be automatically completed by the system, right? Right. And then and the power of this, Alex, is so incredible that you, you, you and I have done so many of these demos where we create this custom objects 
live and then uh, go to section wizard and start adding new details um, and then show that immediately being reflected on the main page. Um, it's just very powerful that in 15, 20 minutes, you can create something very simple, but, but still so powerful that people, you know, I was, my mind was blown at for the first time. So I was like, wow, this is very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, something that we've uh, mentioned before, right, because of the structure of our application, right, because we are a little bit, uh, well, we're more object centric rather than process centric, right? Uh, this and because of the open approach to the structure of the application, right, where all of the objects are exposed to the configuration to the visualization. And this allows us to really have different perspectives over the data and how it is stored, how it is being displayed, right? And a lot of customers that are in the need of a low-code uh, platform, right, they really value this ability of having different options of data view, uh, depending on where exactly they stand, depending on what is crucial, what is critical to be displayed at that specific given uh, moment of time. Yeah, details makes things more interesting. You don't have to go search for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and of course, the same kind of approach of having the open access to the structure of the database, right, is as well covering the dashboarding functionality. It's covering the ability of the uh, analytics engine being exposed to something that you've built yourself, right? So the out-of-the-box capability should not be limited by the out-of-the-box modules, by out-of-the-box objects. Mm -hmm. The out-of-the-box capability for pretty much anything should be uh, extending through custom objects, through custom things that are being, being done, right? So, but again, you're extending a uh, custom uh, business application that you've created yourself. If you've installed it from the marketplace, you can continue building on top of it, right? You can continue extending it and tailoring it to the specific business requirements and business needs. Right. You know, one of, one of the frequent <clears throat> questions that I receive is anytime they create a custom object, they always want to measure it. And this goes back to your point about <laughs> measure and manage. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Manage if they can measure it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And uh, of course, we've talked about the uh, mobile application uh, as a component. Of course, we do have our mobile app available on all of the form factors and, uh, you know, different platforms iOS and Android. Um, our experience with the mobile application really comes from the fact that we are translating some of the uh, you know, needs of all of the different uh, kinds of customers in our portfolio, right? We've uh, aggregated them in specific epics and themes and user stories and how exactly they should be done. And we're really trying to boil it down to the, you know, to the core and make it work for any kind of customer right as a basis as a core right of course we have an incredible roadmap for uh the mobile applications and uh you know and uh, the mobile app and so but even right now the idea behind it that you can create different mobile apps for different types of users for different roles of users you know leverage <laughs> online and offline capability uh leverage the um you know, some of the native device capabilities, for example, like the Polar ID, the access to the camera, to the photo, is already giving us a lot of flexibility. Uh, and specifically when, when it gets to display all of those custom objects and custom sections that were built, uh, you know, from ground, ground up, from ground zero. Okay, yeah, and of course, the same kind of approach, uh, you know, towards open uh, structure is as well covering our object permissions, right? And overall the permissions, whether operations or data. Right, where we, when we're depending on, you know, whatever has been built on top of the platform, we can still 
control the access to this data on different mm -hmm. levels, right? On the database level, we can control it. On the record level, we can control it. On a, even on a column level, right? So these are those core capabilities that are extending towards the uh, custom objects, right? And custom functionality that's mm -hmm. being uh, brought to Croatia. One of the first questions IT asks you, right? Says like, oh, build this application. I just don't want to make sure that only the right people get access to that object. So this is a great way to do that. Yes. Yeah, and uh, last but not least, right? It's also about creating a specific tailored environment and tailored uh, experience of the end user or groups of users, right? Where we are really creating them and uh, identifying for them the, those workplaces within which they're going to be operating, right? Kind of isolating this specific type of functionality that was de de developed for them, creating for them these workplaces really focusing them only on those areas of the application that they should be working on, that they should be focusing on. We got one more on the access rules. Yeah, uh, well, of course, you know, uh, this is an extension to the object permissions and to the, uh, to the overall security engine. Uh, so it's, it's all about, you know, building the organizational structure, then providing the permissions towards different records, towards different data analytics, you know, reporting, dashboards, and so on and so forth. So there's really a lot of ways that this is controlled, right? And it's all about the platform capability extending to, to the custom. All right, which brings it back to me, Alex. Um, yeah. So where we are right now is <clears throat> from a step-by-step -step perspective, we have First, went, uh, we first went to Marketplace to see if there is an existing application that we can simply repurpose. Um, and if it did, great, we, we have the solution. If it did not, then we decide, is it a custom or is it a native object or is it going into a custom object? With native object, it's pretty straightforward. If it's a custom object, you just have to create that object, add some details as part of it, and then proceed to uh, do your normal DCMs and uh, business processes and then provide necessary dashboards, object permissions, so on and so forth. That was on the developer side. Now we focus on the end user side. So how can you make it a little bit more helpful or e easier for end users to make it uh, good, good on the productivity applications for the end users on, the, on their side? So a couple of things that we wanted to highlight is the activity coloring. Um, this, this is a great, uh, this is a free template that's available again on our marketplace application that you can download. The focus here is you can have different kinds of activities uh, based upon different kinds of rules. It could be uh, based upon overdue tasks. This could be based upon a uh, different types of accounts. Maybe A accounts could have different than B accounts and C accounts, D accounts, so on and so forth. Whatever rules that you want to assign. Uh, you, you can do that. You can have it different activities by different departments and so on and so forth. So that's a good one just to add a little bit more color uh, to your application. The second one is uh, coloring by different objects. So if you create a custom object, uh, you can have uh, different colors as part of it. Again, different rules can be assigned. In this particular instance, we are showing uh, accounts by different types. So anybody who is a customer is green. Anybody who's a partner is yellow contractor is, is light green and so on and so forth. So uh, you, can, you can have it by different types, but these are not just the only things. You can have it by uh, different rules, whatever you want to decide to have it uh, in, in your particular application. Uh, from a dashboard perspective, uh, people would like to have, they're very comfortable with Excel where you can simply drag and drop anywhere you, you want it. Uh, you can have similar functionality instead of issue as well. You can, if you simply add this, it creates a widget almost like a graph sheet where you can simply uh, extend the extend the 
the graphs uh, or the or the plots or the dashboards, uh, and very easy to move things around, almost like Excel of feel like is is what you want uh, from a developer experience. And one of my personal favorite application is is the Kanban view. Um, especially coming from a process uh, management background, as, as from a sales leadership or from a leadership in general, uh, you want to understand where does uh, your entire business rank in terms of the beginning to the end. So if you're a sales leader, you want to know how many opportunities in the qualification stage, how many are in the contracting stage, how many are in closed one, or if you're working from a project management perspective, again, which projects are currently in new stage, which are in, in progress and so on and so forth. So Kanban is, is uh, agnostic with, when it comes to different objects. It, it also works on the custom objects. Um, so this is one of my favorite. Alex, any thoughts on Kanban? No, I think this is a great, uh, great add-on and great extension. Really makes it easy to manage, you know, the whole operations on a higher level, right? And uh, just provides the visibility and simply flexibility to the end users and how they work with the with the application. Right. Moving on, um, so Excel is, is a given. People still, Excel is still the, the default uh, dashboards for many, many people, especially higher up you go in the organization. So we do support that from creating Excel report directly out of Creatio. That's another application that you can download. Um, Visit, this is probably more of a niche application. I would consider that. Um, I've seen this being primarily used in situations where in the rural areas, uh, sales reps I have to visit a lot of farms. This could be a pharmaceutical rep who is visiting many pharmacies or doctor's office. Um, so those are probably a little bit more niche areas, but anytime you have that traveling uh, salesman or traveling people and they want to uh, schedule some visits as part of your custom objects from a risk evaluations perspective or from a defect perspective or from a manufacturing, you're going visiting different dealers. Uh, this is a great way for you to uh, take advantage of uh, scheduling visits and you don't again have to be in when you wheel, so to speak. Uh, the other applications include um, integrations with, with the telephone system so that you can have a telephone integrated with, within your platform as is part of your applications. Uh, and recently chatbots is becoming extremely important. So chatbots and chats uh, so this is another application that you can download so that from an omni-channel perspective, you can continue to have conversations with your customers. Uh, and this works irrespective of uh, which object, whether they be custom object or native objects. Alex, any thoughts on chatbots from your end? No, I know that the, the chatbot has been a great interest for a lot of our customers and prospects, right? And overall, the uh, having the ability of building an intelligent chatbot that is going to take a lot of workload from the live agents, right? And transfer it to the, um, uh, to the customer themselves, specifically when you're building these chatbots with not through development, but through our BPM engine, Right, really helps to kind of show the whole power behind the idea of using, you know, business process management and uh, decision making, uh, you know, and business rules in really having this live conversation, having this live interaction between the system and the user that understand each other. Right, so it's, uh, it is it is very exciting. It's uh, very powerful. I would say. Things. Well, of course, when we talk about the de deployments, uh, you know, the the whole idea behind this is, of course, using the application lifecycle management functionality, something that we are extending uh, the works on, right, and we're improving at this moment. But even just having the option to 
easily take uh, and identify certain uh, you know packages in the org configuration that have been created that have been modified that include a specific type of functionality business objects schemas even data as a standalone data right is very simple it is powerful and the idea behind it is that using the package architecture is exactly how we have built uh, our application right uh, even though you know as a, as a standalone the bundle solution will include all of the studio the marketing uh, sales and service automation functionality right it's really a mix and match because all of the marketing sales service is built is being built on top of uh, creation, right? It is being built on top of studio creation, right? It is isolated in those specific areas of packages and the marketplace add-ons, the marketplace extensions work exactly in the same way, right? When we say that a partner is developing a, or designing an application for a marketplace, they really work within their own packages, right? They really work within their own areas of functionality that are then being reviewed. And this is what makes it easy to install them, right? This is what supports our vision of, uh, you know, an exceptional five-week release cycle, having the options to actually just push out and, you know, roll out updates to the existing functionality, you know, uh, fixes to the, uh, to the functionality and new exciting features uh, every, every month, right? Every five weeks, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. this is, of course, seamless. It is not breaking any uh, areas of functionality that were developed or designed on top of Croatia because they are only affecting the core, which cannot be uh, you know, interacted with directly by the customers, by partners. And uh, that being said, of course, you know, just a couple uh, last words on the road product roadmap. Of course, we have a very clear, we have a very well detailed uh, strategy of how the application is going to be developing, right? This is, you know, based on our strategy and our vision, this is backed up by your feedback and by your, I mean, your indication, of course, of our attendees, of our uh, customers, of our partners, right? Uh, we have roughly 35 Scrum teams, uh, you know, that are working on the development of the platform, developing our out-of-the-box product suites. Uh, and of course, uh, all of the core components of the local platform, you know, are being in constant development as well. We are constantly, in, uh, you know, evolving our local application tools for, you know, system configuration and design. We have a uh, rather long-term initiative to bring the application to to bring the application to a new front-end framework of Angular that is going to be really a new driving force for the users, right? Delivering a higher level of performance and usability. Uh, of course, we're talking about the business process management tools. We're talking about the uh, you know introduction of additional elements in the control of the uh, you know execution of the processes such as IoT process elements and uh, process design assistance. Uh, we talk about the mobile application uh, when we talk about you know the introduction of a new type of mobile access for PWA. Uh, we talk about you know the uh, wearable devices, extended support, you know AR VR features, and others, and so on and so forth. Right, and even if we go to the you know, more of a uh, gray area, not a gray areas, but, uh, you know, remaining areas of the local platform, the AI, of course, the idea here is to support two things. First of all, support the design experience with AI, to have AI guided configuration of the platform of the system, uh, AI guided, um, you know, extraction of uh, processes such as process mining from their pure descriptions, 
but as well empower our local, uh, you know, empower our out of the box product suite with AI, with additional data prediction capabilities, analytics, uh, AI assisted forecasting, uh, extended, of course, and so many things, so many other features and, uh, uh, you know, uh, areas of development. And this is really just scratching the top of the iceberg, right? We could talk about our low code, uh, you know, roadmap for many, many hours, I would say. <laughs> So I would like to thank you, Nandish, for your time. It was an uh, incredible, uh, incredible joy speaking to you about the low-code approach and you know, step-by-step -step guide realization. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you all. Bye-bye.